The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here on Big Blue View for more NFL draft coverage surrounding the New York Giants. Today's episode, we're doing yet another prospect debate show. We've got three groups of prospects. We're going to debate which one is the best fit for the New York Giants. Before we get to that, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and head to BigBlueView.com to get more fantastic New York Giants content. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato, who is back in action. And guys, we did this last show. Nick, we didn't have you last time. But the gist of this, folks, if you're new to it, we're going to bring up a grouping of prospects that are at the same position, a position of need for the Giants, and we're going to discuss who we think is the better prospect and who would fit better with the New York Giants. So guys, this first grouping that we have is a polarizing conversation that has become a little bit more clear lately because of an injury to one player, but there's still a lot of questions on who the top dog is. And I think more so in this situation, who would be the better corner for the Giants if they decided to go with one at 11th overall? And the three guys I'm referencing, South Carolina's J.C. Horn, Alabama's Patrick Sertain, and Virginia Tech's Caleb Farley. So Nick, why don't we head to you first? Where do you sit on this? Who do you think is the guy that would be the better player for the New York Giants? The thing about Farley, and I haven't dove extensively into his film. He opted out of 2020, and now he has this back injury that's come up. And you've heard him kind of slide down boards a little bit. And when you hear that, it's not just people diving into his tape and nitpicking. It's because the NFL is telling people like Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay and all the big heads that teams might not be as high on him. So he's sliding a little bit. So I really look at Horn and Patrick Sertain, and I think – both of these players, I, I really like, to be honest. I really like both of these players. I think they could both fit really well with what Patrick Graham wants to do. I think I think it's safe to say, and I want to get Chris's input on this, that Sertain might be a little bit more of a high-floor player. I find him as a very high-floor player. He's not going to be a bad NFL player. J.C. Horn, I don't think he will be either. I think he has a lot of upside. Love his just movement ability, his man coverage ability. I think he can execute zone as well. I think he has the processing to do that. I really like what J.C. Horn offers, but he does get a little bit grabby, which is something that... <laughs> 
sadly, as Giant fans, we've seen happen with corners that the Giants have drafted in the past. What Eli Apple coming out of Ohio State, a big knock on him was he's very grabby. That translated to the NFL. Do I believe that's going to happen with Horn? Not necessarily. I mean, you're going to see some flags with the kid, but if I had to choose one of these two prospects, I may end up going with Sertan because he's just incredibly technically proficient, incredibly disciplined, can play both man and zone. There just are no glaring weaknesses. People will point to his 40 time and just his deep speed. And I think that's just people kind of nitpicking a little bit. Just an incredibly smart player who started for Nick Saban as a true freshman. I mean, that's just, that's insane to think about. Comes from American Heritage, which is one of the premier high school programs. I believe he went to American Heritage. Tyson Campbell, the Georgia kid, went to American Heritage. And Marco Wilson, the Florida kid, went to American Heritage, which is just (laughs) insane to think about. What a high school. And Sertain, I think, is the best of that group. And I I just, I think he would be a low floor, high upside pick that is not going to bust and can come in and be a really, really good starter in the NFL. So if I had to pick, I think it would be Patrick Sertain. But I, I mean, I'm not, you're not going to find me just knocking JC Horn because I'm a huge JC Horn fan as well. But, you know, you got to pick one. So I'm going to go with Sertain. But I, I think maybe Chris might lean another direction. I'm interested to see how you feel, buddy. Yeah. I think practically speaking, it would depend on what the Giants want to run. If they want to keep mixing and matching coverages, I would go with Sertain because I do like him a little bit more than Horn in off and zone coverages. Uh, I think the biggest weakness I ever I saw in Horn, apart from, like you said, his grabbiness, is that he can sometimes lose track of guys when he's in off or zone coverage. Just it seems like he almost has a little bit of a brain fart and his awareness slips just a little bit. But you're right. He does process very quickly and he can do it. You know, he's got a really good closing burst. He's a great athlete. He's explosive as all hell. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think Sertain is has the higher floor of the two. But J.C. Horn, to me, has the higher ceiling. And I think he is the better just pure press man coverage player. And if the Giants want to transition to more press man coverage, that's the where that's the direction I would go is with JC Horn. And also I just love his game. And I have to admit some bias there. I I love a corner that can, that is not afraid to get into wide receiver, tight end, you know, whoever he is across from, get in their face, get his hands on them, blow up the route at the snap, and just stay in their hip pocket all the way through. I like the fact that he follows guys across the field. I've seen him go left side, right side, in the slot, boundary field, just everywhere. He pl- If he gets mat- manned up on a guy, he will follow him all over the field. And he is just a n- mean, nasty player. He he almost reminds me, of, if you think back a ways, of Richie Seibert at offensive line, where he will just mix it up with anybody. And I, I have to admit, I like that in a corner. I'm almost wondering why I even threw Caleb Farley in here, because... <laughs> We're not even talking about him in this conversation, which is understandable. And, and Nick, you pointed out in the beginning, I don't think he's being as circulated as highly as he previously was not playing. And the back injury right now are kind of hurting his his chances of getting selected high. A lot of people think he's got a lot of upside, but I think as of right now, it's probably not going to make a lot of sense. I would like to just quickly take credit for why Nick or not Nick, uh, Chris is infatuated with J.C. Horn. I did put you on J.C. Horn before anybody else did. I was very early on the J.C. Horn train at the very, very beginning of the the college football season. But um, it's kind of funny to me, though, how both of these guys, uh, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, are connected to uh, NFL roots. So J.C. Horn's dad played with the Rams. 
Patrick Sertain's father, Pat- Patrick Sertain the first, um, Sertan rather. I believe he played with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have the NFL backgrounds. They're fantastic athletes. I'm little leaning a little bit closer to what Chris said rather than what you said, Nick, just because Sertan, for me, like we've all talked about, very, very good, probably has the highest floor out of the group, is going to come in and is probably going to have the most consistent impact. But I think J.C. Horn, for me, and a lot of similarities with, with what Chris said. I, I don't know why. I'm just obsessed with corners that are very aggressive, that aren't afraid to talk smack. I love that demeanor in a corner that are very, very vocal. You don't always need to be Stefan Gilmore. I, I'm always attracted to the guys like Jalen Ramsey that beat the crap out of guys and then talk smack about it. it it's part of the game. You got to be good at getting inside the head of a receiver because if you do, you have situations like where A.J. Green got in a fight with Jalen Ramsey. Stuff like that happens, and if you get a guy to lose his composure, you win on the field as a corner. I don't know why. I just I'm, I love his demeanor. I love watching him play in-man coverage. I do agree that he is very, very uh, handsy at times. Hopefully that's something that he can work away from, maybe being in a very veteran, um, talented secondary and corner group that the Giants have. Maybe Bradbury and Dory Jackson can help him work on that if he ends up being the Giants pick, but I don't know. I just like the whole setup there for J.C. Horn. I think he's just a fantastic guy to watch. Yeah, he, and you, a lot of fun. Say, uh, you bring up Jalen Ramsey, and it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, athletically, Jalen Ramsey is the second or third closest comparison to J.C. Horn that uh, Mock Draftable has. You know, just looking at height, weight, speed, three-cone, short shuttle, vertical, all of those things. He's actually very close to Jalen Ramsey. All right, our next pairing that we have, just two guys this time, and I think that both of these players are 100% in play at the 11th overall pick. Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive tackle, interior offensive lineman from USC, and then Rashawn Slater of very similar background who played tackle. People are talking a lot about him as being an interior guy uh, coming out of Northwestern. So where do we stand on these guys? Nick, I'm going to head to you again first. Who is your guy in this grouping? Who would you like to see be a New York Giant if they say, all right, we're going offensive line. This is our guy. He's going to be the centerpiece in our interior. Yeah, I would like either of these players, Rashawn Slater or Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker played guard the majority of his time at USC. And then in 2020, he stepped outside to play left tackle after what was it? Austin Jackson got drafted in the first round by Miami and he held up really, really well. And people always point to the game against Oregon. I believe it was a PAC 12 championship game where Thibodeau, their star pass rusher was going to be a top 10 pick next year. Uh, got the best of him in a couple reps, but if you watch that game, it's like, that's not bad film that he's putting out there. Maybe he lost a couple reps to a really, really talented pass rusher, but Elijah Vera Tucker is an absolute stud. But if I had to pick, One, I would still go with Rashawn Slater. I do believe that he has the potential, albeit he has not done it, but he has the potential to play all five positions on the offensive line. And I also think if you do select him, you can have Matt Parrott get that first crack at right tackle, put Slater, whichever one he's more comfortable at, left guard, right guard, and then have Shane Lemieux and good old Will Hernandez battle it out for that other guard position. I don't really want either. I don't want both of those guys necessarily starting. At least if that does happen, I feel like there is definitely a scenario where things could fail. I'd rather there be just competition. I'm all about breeding competition on this offensive line at every unit on this team. We all know Joe Judges as well. Rashawn Slater, man, 
People don't move like that. They don't have that kind of foot speed that he has. And yeah, he doesn't have overpowering strength. He's not one of those brute strong guys like a Trey Smith or something like that, but he doesn't necessarily have to be because he executes excellent angles on basically every type of set that he did. If it was a 45 degree set, if it was a vertical set, if it was a jump set, all those things he did excellently. If he's blocking down great angles on those deuce blocks, those combo blocks, when he did climb up to the second level, he can get out in space. I would just love to see him with Saquon Barkley uh, in the screen game of him just tracking down defensive backs and locating them because he's just athletically superior. So I would go with Rashawn Slater, but man, not a lot of people are talking about Elijah Vera Tucker, and he is a very, very good player in his own right. Yeah, I don't think you could go wrong with either one of these guys. And again, it might just come down to the type of scheme you want to run. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is absolutely capable of executing an outside zone scheme as an interior lineman. I think he can learn center. His arms are a little bit short. That might, well, actually, they're 32 inches on the nose. So that's kind of pretty short, at least as far as the NFL goes. But, you know, I think he could learn how to snap and play center. He might struggle a little bit with zero technique nose tackles if they're particularly quick, but I don't have any concerns about his movements in zone blocking schemes. But Nick, like you said, Slater is just that much better. I I think you could put him in tackle and be fine. That would give you options if Matt Parrott doesn't develop the way we think he will, hope he will, you could have Slater be kind of like a Justin Pugh type player. I, I almost want to say a souped up Justin Pugh, but I, I think Pugh gets a little bit of a bad rap based more because of his injury history than his actual play on the field. But that's beside the point. You know, I think Slater does give you options. He gives you options at left or right guard. He could play tackle if you need him to. He could play center if you need him to. So that gives you added depth. That gives you options for competition. And, you know, maybe just a few more options for the types of blocking schemes you want to run. Because like you said, he's great with his angles. He can work up to the second level super well. And there's just so much he can do that while Vera Tucker is ridiculously strong. I mean, I I saw him completely whiff on hand placement once and just block a dude with his chest. And it was impressive. You don't normally lose a rep and still win it. But I think I would have to go Slater but just barely. Yeah, and in this situation, what makes it so interesting is that both of these guys have played or have the ability to play multiple positions. Elijah Vera Tucker played inside. He played some tackle this year. And some people actually question if Vera Tucker might be better off playing tackle if he has the ability to do so. So we've got some versatility, and I think that's what needs to be in play here for the Giants if they're going to draft an interior offensive lineman early is taking somebody who might be able to swing out to tackle or play either guard spot. Heck, even we talked about center even when when discussing these guys. But I think there's a clear reason why Rashawn Slater has consistently been discussed as the top interior guy in the class and somebody who's worthy of a top 15 pick. I think it's not as consistent with Elijah Vera Tucker I think that Slater does make the most sense. And you guys highlighted a bunch of key spots there, a bunch of key reasons why he might be a better positional fit and and scheme fit for what the Giants want to go with going forward. I just think Slater could plug in, play right away, do a very, very good job. And then as you said, Nick, they do need somebody to take over one of the guard spots. It's okay to have Will Hernandez or Shane Lemieux at the other spot, but I'm not comfortable, as you said, Nick, 
starting both of them at both guard spots. I think that could be one of the biggest issues post-draft if they don't at least try to do something to remedy that situation. Absolutely. And I know Mark Schofield, our contemporary here at Big Blue View, talks about how development isn't always linear. And look at the Giants' offensive line. There's really no one who's proven whatsoever. We're, we're kind of hoping that these guys continue. They all take that next step. But we've seen guys who are projected starters on this offensive line have a really good rookie season and then not take that next step, i.e. Will Hernandez. So you have Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Matt Pear, and then Will Hernandez as your potential starters. None of those guys are necessarily proven. Three of them could have sophomore slumps. You can even say four if you want to throw Nick Gates in there since this will be his sophomore season at the offensive center spot. So there's just a lot of hope in development. I think the Giants coaching staff feels like they can develop them. I believe they, they put a high precedent on guys like Rob Sale, bringing back Pat Flaherty. But there, there is an avenue where this could just crumble. That, that, that is within the realm of possibility. So when adding a rookie, does that fix it all? No, but it does breed more competition and he can be better than these mediocre, I would say mediocre to solid guards that we've had here. And I think that's being fair too and just being objective. I'm not trying to kind of poo-poo the New York Giants offensive line situation, but they were what, like 31st? According to uh, Pro Football Focus last year and everybody who watched the game, we see Daniel Jones hit his back foot and then he just gets smacked. And the Giants added all these nice shiny weapons are getting Saquon Barkley back, but you need to, you need to be able to block for your quarterback in order to maximize those weapons. Yeah. They need to be at least average this year. And I gotta say just on the topic of developing offensive linemen, it would be nice to see that for once because I, I'm honestly not sure who the last offensive lineman, the giants actually developed themselves was, uh, I, I got to say, maybe Will Beatty because, you know, Weston Richburg, he was a really good center when he came out and his development was basically just moving back to his natural position. Justin Pugh was good when he came out and he was an okay tackle and a better guard. Eric Flowers was Eric Flowers. And, you know, they have really invested a lot of resources over the years. And it's been probably a decade since they have developed their own their own drafted offensive lineman. And I'd just like to see that once. It's insane when you, when you say it like that too, Chris, because the best developed offensive lineman, the giants have kind of groomed has been an undrafted tackle. Who's now playing center. <laughs> the Nick Gates. It has been who else, who else? I mean, obviously Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott, they can hit that, but time will tell. But right now it's been Nick Gates. And that's kind of insane when you think about the first round picks and all of the all the draft selections the Giants have allocated to that to the offensive line. Well, the the other way to now look at this, and you guys are one hundred percent right, is that they say they do select somebody in the first or the second round to play either the guard spots. They could now have three players, three young players to develop with Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott if he's starting at right tackle, and then whoever that interior guy is. So it could be a complete one hundred and eighty, which. Heck, I would argue that that's a positive step in the right direction of instead of not being able to properly develop linemen and drafting them in the right spot, drafting the right guys, they have a, a talented group that just needs some work and there's a good chunk of them that maybe if not all of them hit, they still have that talent, they're still growing, some of those other guys are playing well. That, that I think right now is the hope is that some of these guys, maybe not all of them, some of these guys end up turning into not necessarily doesn't have to be an elite level player, but a high quality starter um, that is going to be consistent on a week to week basis. 
Yeah. And I mean, the Giants also, ever since Pat Flaherty left the New York Giants, they bring in Howell Hunter as their offensive line coach. And that was not it. I mean, he was with the Cleveland Browns before that. And he was just basically Pat Shermer's buddy, did not necessarily develop a lot of these people. And I think the hope is that Rob Sale, somebody that everybody raves about his teaching ability, will be able to come in and kind of help develop a lot of these young guys. Because it, I mean, you look at the just recent history, it's just been abysmal for the New York Giants in that department. So we've got one more grouping. It's two pass rushers. Before we get to that, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, guys, last grouping, and I would argue that this is more so late first round, sometime day two, if they had to make the decision between these two pass rushers. You can maybe swap out some other players, but I decided to go with these two guys because they are names that are consistently grouped together uh, around wherever they're being selected. So Joseph Asai out of Texas, Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia, different builds, not necessarily similar play styles, but they did play a, sim- a relatively similar position. Where do you guys stand on this? Who do you think would be the best pass rusher if the Giants decide to say, hey, we're going to take somebody at the top of round two when we're picking? For me, I'm going to go with Aziz Ojolari. I-, I think Joseph Asai is interesting because Joseph Asai has played in multiple different systems for the under Todd Orlando, when he was the Texas defensive coordinator, he was it was like a 3-2-6 type defense, and he played, I believe it was the strong side linebacker, and they would use him on blitzes. But then Pete Kwiatkowski came in, he implemented a four down front, and their side basically just turned into a full-time edge, two-point stance sometimes with his hand in the dirt as well. And uh, he was solid, but he's relatively raw. I think he's a good athlete, and I love his competitive toughness. Guy flies around the field with his hair on fire. I love that about Joseph Asai, but I just have Ojolari as a as a better player. I have a, I would have a higher grade on Aziz Ojolari, and I know he didn't test excellently. It was in like the 20th percentile for his vertical jump, but he did have like a 1.6 10-yard split, which is solid, and I do believe he has that quick first step. He can get to the half-man relationship get his hips turned. I don't think he's overly bendy like some of the other top edge rushers we've seen in past drafts, but he can bend. I have seen that. And he has that one move that is just excellent where he just uses that inside arm to stab and then he chops the outside arm and then he dips and he rips right through to get his hips towards the pocket. I really think Ojolari is also a player that can play the run very well. You ever see him take on a puller? It's 
awesome, to be honest. He's so aggressive taking on those pullers. I really, really love seeing that. And he's somebody who can also has, I feel like, enough athletic ability to drop to the boundary to cover. That's something that Patrick Graham asks a lot of his edges. And I think there's more room to grow once he develops more consistent counter moves and a little bit more to his pass rushing repertoire. So for me, it'd be Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, I think just at the top of the second round, if Ojolari is there, that's almost a sprint to the podium type situation. It would have to depend on who else is there. Maybe if for some reason Rashad Bateman falls, that's about the only almost realistic competition I could see for him. Osai, like you say, he's very interesting. His background as an off-ball linebacker, I think that does make the make the calculations a little bit more difficult with Patrick Graham just because of the way he likes to use his edge defenders, uh, mixing and matching, having guys drop into coverage, uh, disguising pressure packages, all of that sort of thing. Osai might be a little bit better at that than Ojolari, but just as a pure pass rusher, I think Ojolari is the better prospect, at least right now. And he also just a little bit longer, which probably would appeal to Dave Gettleman just a little bit better. Uh, very similar explosiveness, at least 40-yard dash type times. Uh, very similar 10-yard splits. So I, I think Ojolari is probably just the little bit better prospect for the Giants and what they would be looking for. You know, similar to you guys, I like that Osai has played multiple roles and worn different hats with Texas. And that's kind of what I, I feel like when we talk about any defensive prospect for the Giants on their radar is their ability to do different things because of Patrick Graham and his willingness and his, his eagerness to run a lot of different fronts, use guys in creative ways. But I, I, I'm on the same page as you guys. I think Aziz Ojolari is going to fit a little bit better with what the New York Giants are looking for. Um, he was pretty productive at Georgia. He's a little bit smaller than Joseph Asai, about 10 pounds lighter and inch shorter. But I think that's kind of what you need with these pass rushers for for the Giants is somebody that's a little bit quicker, somebody that is explosive off the edge that will play nicely alongside the big meteor guys in the middle like Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. I just I see it a little bit more with Ojolari than I do with Osai, and I think we have a little bit more of an understanding of what Ojolari can be rather than with Joseph Asai. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I actually want to throw a curveball to both of you. So I think we're all consensus that Ojolari would be that guy. But what if we replace that O last name with Jason Owa and then have him with Joseph Asai? Oh. And then what where would you guys where where do you think you guys would go in that scenario? That's tricky because See, the thing that we get with that is if you, you know, OA is very explosive, very athletic. We're, you know, we're talking about a guy that is, um, I believe he was in the four threes when he ran his, ran his 40, um, somewhere in that uh, range. Yes. Uh, I've got it up right here. A four, three, seven. Yeah. Four, three, seven. And I remember hearing for a while before even, uh, this draft cycle that OA was supposed to run in the 4-3. So I wasn't entirely shocked, but seeing that number is still nuts for an edge rusher. Um, and you also have the the extra source from Coach Chaos, who was a, a coach at Penn State. So I, I honestly would still go with OA. I think that that's a little bit more intriguing of an, you know, an opportunity to just get an explosive athlete like that. You've already got... In a, you know a decent group of edge rushers, no one that's really going to be elite. You might as well take the shot on the guy that's super athletic, maybe has some good upside that could turn into something good, and just rely on rotating other guys if he can't play up to that speed yet. Yeah, I mean, I 
I 100% agree as well. I mean, 1.59 10 yard split, that's 88th percentile. 4.15 <laughs> short shuttle, 95th percentile. 40 inch vertical jump, 96th percentile. 684 three cone, 96th percentile. I mean, and those are just his athletic testing. And when you watch film, yeah, he didn't have a sack in 2020. I get it, but he's still getting pressure and you can just see unique bend, unique explosiveness. I think getting this type of player with Patrick Graham with back with coach chaos back with just, we're just with this giants coaching staff. I really think that the, the upside is very, very high. And in the second round at the position that you probably need to prioritize because the edge isn't exactly strong right now with the New York giants. I mean, I, I would love for that to materialize. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. If, you happen to have a guy like that sitting there, which I, I am not sure how somebody with that level of athleticism, a guy who is going to step on the field in NF, at the NFL and probably be one of the five most athletic pass rushers in the whole league, right there with Miles Garrett and Chase Young and, you know, Montez Sweat. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how that slips out of the first round. Yeah. So, somebody's going to take a chance on it. <laughs> right. But... Right. If he happens to find his way to 42nd overall, I'm not sure how you can not take a swing at being the team that unlocks that athletic potential. Because if the Giants' pass coverage is as good as it should be, and you can get a guy who has a 437 40 at 260 pounds and you know a 6'8 or 6'9 three cone, that if you can actually get him to use those traits, unlock that athletic potential, that the upside there is beyond ridiculous. <laughs> well, guys, I think that's going to be it for today's prospect debate. We're getting really close to the NFL draft. This is the last full week that we have. So we're going to have some final content to wrap things up and get ready for the NFL draft, as well as some immediate reaction shows that will be coming your way uh, following the draft when the picks come in. So stay tuned for that as well. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. And then also head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. Also, lastly, follow us on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.